0: Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there.
1: There's a difference between saying you have to eat this, you know, Mm. unless you eat this, then you can't have this, Mm -hmm. you know, and battling with them versus let's try this food. You never know if you're going to like it today. You may not like it and that's all right. And giving them that out takes away that pressure.
0: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 332. Today, we're talking about, in the resolution series, resolving to eat nutritiously with Dr. Organic Mommy, Natasha Beck. kids. Hey, welcome. I am so glad you are here today. Hey, listen, if you haven't done this yet, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And you know, if you get any value at all from this podcast, please do me a favor and go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more. It really takes like 60 seconds and I greatly, greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I'm so excited for you to be here today because in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Natasha Beck. She's a parenting expert and the founder of Dr. Organic Mommy, an online resource focused on parenting pregnancy and non-toxic living and I'm so excited for you to join this conversation today because we are going to be talking about nutrition and how to how important it is and how to make it easier right like let's the whole idea in this resolution series is to make it easier to give you tips and tricks So if you are lazy and not super excited about cooking like I am, you can have more nutritious meals for your kids because it's so, so important. It is so much fun to talk to Dr. Natasha and a really cool thing for mindful parenting members, she is going to be an expert guest that comes and talks to the lifetime members and answers all their questions. So if you would like to talk to Dr. Natasha in person, this is a great opportunity. If you are a member and if you want to learn more about the membership, get on the waitlist. Super easy, just go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. You'll get on the waitlist. We'll let you know more about the, co- the membership. You know, we have lifetime options and then we also have a self-study option that's more affordable. We also give out scholarships too. So there's lots of great ways to get involved and get engaged and get that support you need. Just go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and sign up for the waitlist, and we'll send you all the information you need and get, let you know when the doors open again. All right, I, I think that's was enough to, to tell you about beforehand. Join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Natasha Beck. I would love for you to like give people your creds so they know what, what an expert and pro we're talking to about nutrition and kids habits today. So can you, can you list off your creds for us please?
1: Sure. So I have a doctorate in pediatric neuropsychology. I also have a master's in child and family health. um, And I am also certified in leadership education, neurodevelopmental disabilities. I was also formally diagnosed with reading disorder, which used to be known as dyslexia and ADHD. And I have three children out of my own and pregnant with my fourth.
0: You're pregnant right now. Oh my yeah. gosh. How, how far yeah. along are you? Uh,
1: about 21, 22 weeks.
0: Oh, congratulations. Oh my gosh. You. Are you feeling okay?
1: I'm nauseated here and there, but it's coming along.
0: Oh my God. This might be the perfect place to start because When I was pregnant with my daughters, I was, I was nauseated and like the food that I wanted first, the food I wanted was like a sliced Turkey sandwich because I had been mostly vegetarian for years and I had allowed myself to start to eat some meat ethically, but I hadn't yet eaten sliced Turkey in like a decade. And so I was pregnant. I was like, oh my God, I gave myself permission to eat the turkey sandwich. And it was like the best turkey sandwich. I ate it like every day for three weeks, but it was the turkey sandwich, which I understand a lot because of the protein and all that. But but then I really also wanted the, um, for local people, you'll know only the hers cheese puffs. (laughs) And I would like be teaching like a yoga class. And sometimes there was definitely a distinct moment where I had to like wipe the like orange dust off my like black yoga pants before I went off off my yoga class. (laughs) That's great. So I don't know. I'm
1: all about paying attention to your body and really, you know, listening to your cues, teaching your kids to listen, uh, to listen to their body, because that's really what it's all about when eating, you know, healthy and, and trying to figure out, well, these foods are the foods that help us grow and these foods that are foods that don't help us grow as much, you know? And so when you teach your children to pay attention to their body, they're more aware of what's going on and how they're feeling. And it's the same thing when you're pregnant, you know, if you were craving turkey, I have actually been craving meat this pregnancy. I used to be vegan. (laughs) Um, and, I think it's because my body used to be uh, I was anemic before, and I couldn't get my levels up. I constantly had to supplement, and I'm feeling so much better during this pregnancy. I'm sourcing from you know regenerative farms uh, that where the animals are pasture raised, they've you know are sourced ethically. and you know I felt a lot better, so it's really all about listening to your body.
0: Mm, yeah yeah it, it comes back to that body body awareness and and what sort of starts to feel good and actually i mean i've all these other questions i want to ask you about speaking of body awareness and like kind of paying attention to what feels good we you know um one of our daughters is like i i'm noticing you know a lot of humans <laughs> have a tendency to use food as like a comfort source and things like that and i'm noticing her doing that, you know, in, in pre-adolescence as like, uh, just like she makes herself mac and cheese and she eats like a lot of that mac and cheese. And, and we're worried about her getting enough sort of protein. Maybe she's not getting satisfied from, because she doesn't want to eat meat. Right. Ethically. Um, what would you, how, I mean, for, how do you encourage, kids to pay attention to their bodies i mean at a younger age i i really you know it, it seemed very clear and obvious on how to do that and now at this age i i feel a little less clear and obvious on how to do that because it's a sensitive age too
1: sure it is a sensitive age and it's a it's very different this time in society because we've got social media which didn't exist when we were younger and there's a lot more pressure and you know especially with you know the girls and boys you know they're seeing you know all the filters on social media and that really starts to mess with their self-confidence their like their internal image and so you want to talk to your teens and have conversations with them just like you do with your younger children but you're gonna tailor it a different way where it's not as um, condescending, I would say. And so sitting with them and saying it's like I'm like asking, all right, I see that you're eating. Some mac and cheese. Let's figure out should we add some veggies to it? Like, how can we kind of up the nutritional content? You know, I get it. It's a feel good food. Is there anything else that's going on? You know, I know right now, like when I was a teenager, and I think it's really important to share stories Mm -hmm. from your past. When I was a teenager, this is what I felt. I have no idea if this is what you're feeling or not. Only you can tell me, but just know that I'm always here if you ever want to talk. Mm -hmm. It's having that respectful relationship and that open dialogue where they feel safe to express their emotions, where you're not trying to fix them. I think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest point where parents, especially today, are constantly trying to fix their kids. Mm -hmm. Kids don't want to be fixed. They don't want to be told, like, here's the solution. They just want to have someone to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And so when you're just there to listen, they feel safe to tell you, I just want you to sit with me, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important where you can have those conversations, you know, you can either, you know, talk about journaling or having, you know, gratitude moments, figuring out self-care, whether or not you guys do it together or separate. And there's different ways to approach that, you know, instead of going to the point where we're just filling our stomachs, you know, indefinitely with food where we're we're not actually hungry. And so that's where it comes back to really paying attention to those body cues and teaching your kids to be self-aware of what they're feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I know. It's it it's, can still be like so challenging too. It's like and, and as well as like giving that, you know, yeah, walking that line well, but let's, let's dive back into like, one of the things I was really interested to talk to you about was diet and lifestyle, but diet like can affect behavior and it can, can affect conditions like ADHD and autism. And I just love to learn a little bit more about that in general. Like how, how, what, how is diet affecting these things?
1: Sure. So luckily more and more uh, health professionals are becoming aware of this. When I first noticed this over a decade ago, was when i was working in clinics you know in the hospital and having children come in when i was testing them and they would bring in you know hamburgers or breakfast burritos and sodas and they were having such extreme difficulty even sitting down with me to just for 5 minutes and these were older children like 10 year olds where you expect them to be able to sit for longer periods of time and so i started really diving into that research and there's so as the biggest culprit is sugar, to be honest, mm, sugar mm. is hidden in everything. And, you know, right now, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends zero sugar for under age two, but then all of a sudden it jumps from two to 18, you're allowed 24 grams of sugar, but that's a big range. Because two to 18 is a huge range. Huge like there's
0: big difference a
1: compared to a 17 year old, right? That's crazy. Um, So actually uh, Dr. Michael Garan and uh, Dr. Emily Ventura wrote this book called Sugar Proof and they laid out a great table um, showcasing you what type, the amount of sugar for each age and kind of how it builds up. Um, But the problem comes where we're in, like kids today are eating so much sugar, it's hidden in everything. Parents have no idea. They think, oh, I'm giving my kids a glass of orange juice, I've got a healthy muffin, I've got some yogurt for breakfast, but on, all in all, you've uh, you basically had your sugar for the day. Yeah. So the problem comes where it's affecting cognition, it's affecting attention, it's affecting mood. Kids are often very irritable from it. You know, kids are ending up with fatty liver disease. They're associating it now with more with Alzheimer's disease later in life. Wow. So there's a ton of research going on around sugar. Sugar is gonna be the new hot topic that everybody's gonna be talking about. And what's really impacting our children today?
0: So, what I'm getting from you saying that is like, as best we can, if you are a parent of little kids, keep your kids away from sugar as as best you can. Like, so I am I'm totally justified in giving my children the fruit sweetened uh, pear muffin that they got for their first. <laughs> One-year-old birthday party with cream cheese on top while everybody else got a chocolate tort. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think
1: there's, but there's, there's balance, right? So you've got to look at sugar. There's refined sugar and unrefined sugar. So unrefined mm-hmm. sugars, you your got, you get your honey, your maple syrup, your dates, you know, apples, pears, but actual apples and pears. I'm not talking about like the juice that's sweetened with apple juice concentrate, grape juice concentrate those are like boiled down and so processed where none of the fiber is there. And so you've got these huge insulin spikes and that's really affecting our kids' behavior. When you wonder why aren't they sleeping? Why are they having such emotional outbursts that are so different from typically, what they typically have? Mm -hmm. Sugar Mm -hmm. is the culprit behind it. So you wanna stick with your unrefined sugars and especially I prefer things like dates to sweeten things because you have that fiber. If you're going to eat fruit, I'd rather you have the whole fruit and not have the juice, for example, because then you have the fiber and it slows down that huge spike of insulin that you're going to get that's going to really wire you and impact your behavior.
0: We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. All right. So now from my perspective as a mom of a preteen and a mm-hmm. teen, yeah, I can see that like we have so much control over kids when, uh, what they eat when they're little. I mean, you know, I remember going into the bank and being like with my child, that was back in the days when you actually went into the bank and, (laughs) and they would like try to give her a lollipop. And I'd be like, stop, no, you know, do you have any stickers? Stop you sugar pushers. And now it's a different world. You know, it's like, they're, they're at their friend's house. They're at scout meetings. They're at all these different things. They're at school, all these things happen. So what I'm kind of hoping for, so what what I'm just sort of wondering from you is that, you know, a lot of us we wanna we wanna make sure our kids have like a really healthy diet when they're little, but what I'm imagining is that it, it has to be kind of a lifestyle that everybody is adopting because, you know, it, they're going to absorb the lifestyle of the family. And I also wonder about like, they, uh, they go to friends and they think I'm crazy. Cause I never buy juice. Like we never juice in my house and, yep. and they, they, they complain about it. They tell me I'm terrible, like, you know, because I don't buy juice. What are some of the, what are, what are we aiming for sort of overall? I mean, I guess there are kind of like different levels of nutrient uh, nutrition, you know, consciousness in, in different places, but and where do we, do we start? We have- help us, what help us. Tips? Okay,
1: so I think going back, it's starting in the home where, yes, you're correct. It's got to have everybody on the same page where we're all adopting the same type of lifestyle. So, you know, having both parents or caregivers, everybody on the same page about it. And what you have in your home is what your children are going to be exposed to. Now, it's also about education. So that's the modeling piece. And then there's also the education piece you don't want to restrict your kids because inevitably, like you're saying, when they're older, they're going to friends' houses. They're going to be exposed to these things. And you don't want them to be like, I never had this at my house. I'm going to go off the deep end and eat everything in sight that I'm like, I'm seeing out there.
0: Oh, you know? I have a great story for that. Can I interject yes, here please? with us? <laughs> I have a friend who's very crunchy mama and she only gave her daughter unsweetened chocolate uh, when she was little at home, (laughs) like completely unsweetened chocolate. And so her daughter then tried like milk chocolate at somebody's house and was like, oh my gosh, like, is this the same thing? And this is amazing. And so her daughter now loves and is obsessed with milk chocolate and white chocolate. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. Like my daughter's like, we had dark chocolate at home, not completely unsweetened chocolate, but they do like dark chocolate now. Like they're they're good with like dark, pretty, pretty low sugar chocolate. But it was, it's kind of funny that I, c- I can't imagine like eating unsweetened chocolate. It sounds horrible. It's
1: quite bitter <laughs> and I definitely have it in my home, but I use it for baking, but I add other types of unrefined sugars to it. Uh, but that's exactly right. So they can go off the deep end. And so you don't want to be too strict. What you want to do is after you're modeling, you're educating. And so letting them know hey, let's look at what's on the package. Let's look at the ingredient list. Always read your labels. And I teach my kids this from a very young age so that when they get older, they're gonna turn that package around and look what they're actually eating and putting into their body. Are these artificial dyes? That's something I always recommend to stay away from. Artificial dyes and preservatives, that really impacts kids, especially kids who have ADHD. I personally notice the difference because I have ADHD.
0: Oh, really? You know, it's fascinating. We did a, we did a trip to um, Ireland when our, in, when our girls were in 2016 and we gave them some euros like at the airport to like, go buy whatever you want. It's like, uh, we're, we're about to leave. And they came back with a big package of um, Starburst candies. Yeah. And we were amazed to look at them because they're pale. They had no colors. Like the yellow the was just come there completely white. There, there was no red. Everything was very, very pale color. And it was be, it's because the EU bans the certain colors, artificial
1: dyes. Yeah. these there's artificial about-
0: dyes that our country, did, you know, so just because it's out there does not mean it's really something you're, you want in your kids' bodies.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's about nine artificial dyes that our country has, um, that uh, we approve of in the United States that other countries ban out there. And so I teach our kids. Let's look for a better alternative. There are now at least they're they're selling. You know they're listening to consumers. Uh, the companies and they're making products without those artificial dyes. They're making products without um, you know less with less sugar. You know adding more you know unrefined sugar. They're making products that you know are organic. So they're not sprayed with glyphosate, that toxin. You know that can impact our gut. And so there are alternatives. And so you just want to provide those alternatives for your kids. So, Mm. you know, um, for example, like during the holidays, you know, during Halloween and Christmas, where, you know, sugar consumption goes up um, at least, I think by 33% um, during your whole year, it's, you've got to pay attention to what you're giving your kids and try to monitor that. And that's really when you're starting to you know, learn more things in school, you know, between, I'd say, October and December, and it's the beginning of the year, you want to pay attention to your child's sugar consumption. So after you're modeling, now you're educating and you're letting them know, all right, there are some foods that help us grow, and there are foods that don't help us grow as much. We want to try and eat the foods that help us grow. But my saying is, if you're going to eat the foods that don't help you grow, eat the good stuff. So, yeah. what do I mean by that? Yeah, I'd yeah. Rather, what? you eat like a homemade cookie or a muffin that has whole food ingredients rather than, you know, a piece of candy that has artificial dyes. So, you just mm-hmm. want to balance that. So, when you're talking to your teenagers, especially, like, just let them know, like, this might be a better alternative and you actually might feel better. It's not normal to feel bloated. A lot of these things products that were especially these packaged products they're going to make you feel bloated they're going to make you feel a little bit weighed down heavy slower a little bit you know it's going to be harder to pay attention you're going to feel a little bit more irritable so this is really why I want to teach our kids and yourself to pay attention to exactly how you're feeling after you eat it and a little bit later too so they're aware of it
0: so what about, like, where are you draw, holding boundaries on some of these things? Because, you know, they're going to, like, go to the Easter party and they're going to get, you know, they're going to go to the birthday party and come home with a big bag of um, candies. And they're going to, you know, all of these things are going to happen. Like, they're going to do yeah. the Easter egg hunt. They're going to do all this stuff. So where where is a healthy place to Draw the line where a parent who's concerned about nutrition and having their kids eat, eat good foods and not be feel or act psychotic because of sugar. Um,
1: Where do you, draw you know, the line
0: where by? do where do you, where, where personally, where do you do that? You know, yeah. I mean, when your kids do that kind of thing. So, well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking
2: for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clux. You've come to the right place.
1: load them up before we go to any event with healthy food. So whether it's a huge snack platter or um, a really, a veggie loaded smoothie, and they know exactly what's in that smoothie, um, so that they're really full before they go to that event, you know? And so they pay attention to their body. on more satiated. I actually want to go play. I want to enjoy mm. the event. Events aren't always about the candy and, you know, the baked goods and everything else. It's about fun and community and playing because that's what, you know, kids all that, that's what kids do is play. Um, even your teenagers, they want to talk to their friends and hang out, you know, but if you can, if you're, if they're not hungry and they're going to an event, it's, it's the same thing if you go grocery shopping. I always tell mm-hmm. people, don't go to the grocery store if you're hungry. Worst idea ever, um, because you're just going to get things that you wouldn't normally get uh, because you're hungry and you're not really paying attention to everything else that's on those labels because you're just starving. Um, and so you really wanna pay attention to those satiation cues. And it's the same thing when you're know, when you looking at, uh, do you wanna eat right now? Well, how full are you? You don't wanna get to the point where you're so full that you're feeling uncomfortable. You wanna get to the point where you're feeling like, all right, I've had enough. I'm, like, I could have probably eat a little bit more, but I'm all right. That's kind of mm-hmm. where you wanna stop. You don't wanna get to the point where you're just like so consumed with food. Now, you fill them up before you get there. And then you talk to them about if you're gonna have food, the foods that don't help you grow or foods that help you grow either or you Mm. have to make sure you sit down. I often Mm. see kids running around eating food and it's a choking hazard. And I explain my reasoning for wanting them to sit down. It's my job to A, make sure you're safe, B, make sure your body grows and your mind and C, make sure you're a kind person. Those are my three rules. And most everything kind of falls under, uh, under those categories. So you can always relate back to that. So when they're at these events, they have to sit down so that you're safe and you don't choke. Most kids don't actually want to sit down when they see all their friends playing. So they'll say, all right, I'll eat later. And honestly, most of the time they just forget about it. Some kids don't and they want to enjoy the slice of pizza or you know the red vines or whatever they have there. And that's fine with me. And I let my kids do that. You know, for the younger kids, I try to bring alternatives. So once they're younger, I'll bring healthier alternatives like the ones without artificial dyes. Some of the candies that, you know, it's the same thing when we like go trick-or-treating, I replace, you know, the candies. When we go uh, to uh, the Easter egg hunt, I, I replace the different candies for them. Um, and with the more... What I like to call the Dr. Organic Mommy approved candies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that way they're having that exposure, but they're not getting those artificial dyes. They're not getting all those preservatives and tons of, you know, refined sugars. They're getting the better alternative, but they're not being restricted.
0: You promote, you promote like eating a great lifestyle as far as nutrition goes, lots of veggies clean meats. We want to, we want to eat organic, invest in organic veggies if we can. This is, this can be a great. It can be wonderful for, for families, but you know, parents are cooking lots of different things, maybe trying to cut down on their meat consumption, doing lots of things. And then, but then you end up kids with kids who are picky eaters who don't, you know, they're like, mom, what are you making? This is not chicken, I don't know, whatever <laughs> nuggets. And this is not yes. mac and cheese. And this is not. And I'm, um, I mean, I know at least for my own, my first daughter, she was as a young person, she was really just obsessed with, you know, I would give her like just whole wheat bunny crackers. She was <laughs> obsessed with bunny crackers and I was worried about her not eating too much. So I would, I would, you know, she would, she just ended up, she still really, really loves her, her bagels and her toast and her, and her carbs. But what do we do with picky eat, eaters and, and why do kids become such picky eaters? And, and how can we work with that when we're trying to really up the nutrition in our household?
1: Yeah. So first there's a few things I want to address. First thing, I actually don't like to use the word picky. Um, mm. Even in, I don't want it even in anybody's vocabulary. Kids tend to be on a spectrum from cautious to adventurous and then there's Mm. everything in between Mm -hmm. kids who tend to be more cautious in their eating tend to be more cautious in other facets of their personality you know the kids who tend to be more cautious with trying new things they might be more cautious when entering a new situation or more cautious about say getting into the water Uh, whereas your more adventurous child who's like oh i want to try that what is it you'll see they will be more adventurous in other forms of their life as well and so the reason I don't actually like to use the word picky is because even if, you know, you're just thinking it, you're projecting it onto your kids.
0: Well, it's a judgmental word, you know, we're a very judgmental
1: yeah. word and your kids internalize it, you know, and you can say, oh, my my kid's not going to eat that. You're putting that judgment and that, you know, thought onto your child and your child automatically going to internalize that thinking, okay, I'm not going to eat it. You know, my mom thinks I shouldn't eat it, my dad thinks I shouldn't eat it, I'm not gonna do that. And so I just really like to remove that from the vocabulary. The other thing you pointed out is, well, I'm worried about my kids not getting enough food. So unless your child has a medical condition, most children are very well aware of figuring out, okay, I'm not hungry, I'm hungry, I know when I need to eat. Um, I might not be hungry at this meal, I'll be hungry at the next meal. And so I like to look at a two week period. If your children aren't eating anything in two weeks, take them to see your physician. Um, but there's ups and downs. Like there might be a day where I don't feel like eating avocado today. You know, and all of a sudden it's just out of the blue and you're like, well, my child used to love avocado. They, their taste buds change and that's all right. So I like to stick with something from the Ellen Satter Institute where she talks about you as the parent or caregiver decide what and when your child eats. The child decides if and how much they eat. Mm. And so that really removes that tension, that battle of control of like, oh, I need to make sure you're eating, like you have to eat all this, one more bite. I wanna remove that sentence from everybody's vocabulary as well. Never say, let's eat one more bite or try this, or when you eat this, then you then you can have that. Mm. Um, because it just creates so much tension with food and that actually sets them up for failure in the long run, as a teenage, as a tween, as a teenager, and as an adult, because they'll have this battle with food, thinking like, "Oh, if I don't eat this, then I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to feel this, or I'm not going to look this way, or whatever it may be." And so, you want to set them up to have a successful, a successful relationship with food. And as far mm. as like, well, I can't always make food at home, or. You know, I can't always make the you know amazingly nutritious food. My motto is 80-20. And it's a general concept of whatever I can control at home, great. You know, whatever's in my control, great. When I can't, I let go. Because if you can try to control everything, this is where I say social toxins can actually be worse than chemical toxins. You know, mm-hmm. those social toxins of constantly worrying about everything, being overwhelmed that stress can lead to increases in cortisol, which actually can, incre- uh, can hurt your immune system. And so you want to try and avoid that and say, I'm just gonna let it go. We're at a restaurant. This is the best we can do. Nothing's organic. I don't know what the kids are eating. Let it go, you know, but when I can control it, I do.
0: Hmm. It's hard for people to let that go. You know, it's hard for people to hold things lightly. You know, you're practicing, you're saying like, hold, care about this, but hold it lightly. And, and that can it's be, that can balance. be tough.
1: I mean, balance in general in life is hard. I mean, everybody has difficulty with balance. So do I.
0: Yeah. 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 We only know we're out of balance when we're out of balance. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So talk to us about, um, well, actually there was one thing I wanted to thinking about the control of eating. One thing that I, we did in our household that I thought was very helpful thinking about how kids are naturally not interested in, um, bitter foods, like the things that have bitterness in it, like broccoli and things like that. We have to kind of develop a palate for a lot of different foods, right? No one likes coffee when they first drink it, but now we mean, 90% of the world loves coffee. Right. Um, so, um, we did like a, we tried to do, you know, a, uh, you don't have to eat it, but you must taste it. And we told them why, like, because, you know, we are, we don't like a lot of things when we first eat it. And this is how we develop a palette of foods and things like that. So just, you can taste, take a little bite. You can totally spit it out, but just taste it. That was kind of the-
1: It's a a great rule of thumb. What I like to explain to them is you may not actually like it today, but you may like it tomorrow. Your taste buds are changing. And I actually- get out, you know, I have all of us pull out our tongues and we examine them and I have them get out a little magnifying glass (laughs) and tell them like, do you know what's all those little bubbles on your tongue and those little bumps, those are taste buds. And actually there's different sections of your tongue and they taste different things, you know, and they're Hmm. more, you know, intense in different areas of your tongue. And so we talk about that. So yes, that's a great thing to do there's a difference between saying you have to eat this you know Mm. unless you eat this then you can't have this you Mm -hmm. know and battling with them versus let's try this food you never know if you're going to like it today you may not like it and that's all right and giving them that out takes away that pressure you may not like it today but you may like it you never know and so we always try everything and so that is a great um thing to stand by
0: all right great great okay Family meals. I know I have, I mean, I have a, a couple of friends who end up like, um, because their, their kids would eat some things and the parents wanted to eat some different things. So they end up like Vegas with order, chef. <laughs> yeah. Or they end up making like one meal for the kids at a certain time and then they put their kids to bed and then they have their own adult meal. And while I can totally understand why you'd want to do that because sometimes it's like absolute insanity to eat with small kids. I, I worry about that. What do you think about family meals?
1: Uh, family meals, there's, it's so important, A, to just sit with each other and have a family meal. Like there's tons of research on that, that you know kids are more likely to finish high school. Kids are more likely to have a group of friends when you actually sit and have family meals. That's where discussions mm-hmm. happen. That's where you share things. That's where you process your day. You know, when you pick up your kids from school, they never want to talk. They talk at the dinner table or they talk right before they go to bed. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it's not a stalling technique. It's, that's, that's how they process and have closure to their day. Uh, so family meals, A, are very important. So I always recommend sitting with your kids and not just standing up or being around a TV or anything like that. You sit around and have a meal. And I also like to set the table. You not may not be able to do this every day. You may not be able to do it on the weekends, but that's fine. Setting the table presentation matters. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you enjoy the atmosphere. And that makes the meal more inviting and more enjoyable. And that's true for kids too. Don't think that, you know, they don't notice those things. So having them have placemats. I like to have a drawer that's low down to the floor where little ones can actually access their plates, have their placemats, have their you know, reusable napkins, their silverware, where they go and set the table, even getting like a glass jar and picking some flowers before dinner, mm. putting those in, it just makes it more inviting. And so once you make that table more inviting, it actually invites the children more to the table. It makes, them easy, makes it easier to actually get the kids to the table because that's a, another hard part, getting the kids to come to, to sit down for dinner. Um, Another thing I like to do is buffet style where it's all shared plates and everybody's serving themselves. You know, when they're younger, you know, as they get into a like preschool, kindergarten, you want them to start to serve themselves so they can start to learn portion sizes, not for dieting, so get that out of your mind. It's really for them to learn, all right, this is what I'm gonna start with and I'm gonna make sure to eat the food that I'm putting on my plate so we don't waste food. So I'm teaching kids about sustainability and wasting food and you know we don't wanna do that. And so that's the important part of buffet style with meals. And then they also get to pick and choose. And so you, it's fun to put everything on the side and kind of deconstruct things because they can make up their own mind. They feel like there's more independence there. They're more willing to try it. They see the influence of siblings, or cousins, or whoever is at the table, which makes a difference. My Mm -hmm. other key thing with family meals, Mm -hmm. there is no such thing as dessert. I'm not a big dessert person anyways. Um, My husband is. So uh, how do we balance that? We always serve fruit with the meal. Um, You may be thinking, well, why are we serving fruit? My kid's only going to eat the fruit. So that's usually the first question I get. It takes the mystery away because you're thinking, as a child, oh, well, I have to eat all this broccoli, but if I don't eat it, then I can't get my fruit. But fruit is more, fruit is better. Fruit is sweeter. Right? It's it's more mysterious or the dessert is more mysterious. I want to have that. So I recommend getting rid of like the treat, the special thing that we serve at the end of the meal and having it with the meal. Mm. And it's also about portion size again, because you are might be thinking, well, my child's only going to eat the blueberries, and they're gonna just keep asking for blueberries. Everybody gets one scoop of everything on their plate. And once they are done with that portion, so say they finish their blueberries first, oh, I see lots of other foods on your plate. You have to eat lots of different kinds of foods to help your body grow. When you're done with those foods, if you're still hungry, you may have some more blueberries. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of language, because language is so key, especially with younger kids. Um, to really help them understand and pay attention to their body and pay attention to what foods help us grow and what foods don't help us grow.
0: Uh, I love that. Uh, There's a lot in there that you that you mentioned. I want to kind of go back to the idea of what you were saying about presentation. And I think that's so true. Like this idea of um, you know that's something they that they talk about a lot, a lot in the Montessori method, right? It's like the presentation of objects and learning objects, and and have it, and how that big impact of environment and making things inviting can really make things work. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned I love buffet style of the idea of setting the table and the placemats, and you know, we have our own napkin rings in our house, and. Um, one thing that we i noticed when um when we were doing some uh green chef meals is like they teach you how to like do these like uh they're like here they they t- they make you, they have you plate the food, right? Yeah. And my daughter would make the meal and she would be, she would plate the food and everyone would be like, oh, it's so pretty on the plate. Cause it's, yeah. you know, it's like, here, follow this picture and this is in the middle and this is, you know, and everyone was like, oh, and all of a sudden we're eating all these exciting things because it looks so pretty, like in a restaurant, you know, yeah. and that was another kind of way. So, so kind of what I'm getting from like, thinking of that and thinking of the, the buffet and the net, you know, the placemats and all that is like just this idea of the importance of the environment, the aesthetic appeal, etc. It's not, you know, it's not just about um, this food. It's about, it's about, it's the about all the senses. For sure. And there's savoring. a lot of
1: psychology behind that. When you bring up plates, this is also why I don't like colorful plates or plates with characters on them because it distracts away from the food. This is why you know, when you look at like chefs, they always want a white plate because it's a mm. clear, plain canvas. And it's true for kids too. They wanna see their food, let the food speak for themselves. Don't try to distract with having like a fun plate with like a map or, you know, whatever the child's into or interested in, you know, or curious about, let them be curious about the food, not mm. the actual plate. And then another thing about that with presentation, um, with regards to psychology, is the amount of food, especially when you're looking at really little ones when, you know, like they're one, you know, about one or when they're starting off eating their on their solid journey, you don't want to put too much on their plate. When you overwhelm a child with too much food before they're serving themselves, it can be very overwhelming. You want your child to learn to pay attention to their body and this is how they start. Let them ask for more and say, I'm still hungry. You know, Mm. and you can actually play around with the plate size, make it a smaller plate if they feel like, oh, they don't have enough of food on their plate. So it's trial and error, you know, do a smaller plate. So it looks like there's enough more food on their plate, but there's not actually as much food on the plate. And so there's a lot of psychology with all of that going on. So you really just have to pay attention to what works with your children.
0: So now that my kids are getting older, (laughs) um, they you know, when we were younger, we didn't do anything on the weeknights except, you know, have dinner and do bedtime and that whole right. thing. But now, um, I have one daughter who wants to swim. I have the other daughter who's volunteering at the horse barn, mucking stalls. And so we're going out and, you know, and, and picking them up at like seven 30 at night and coming back home. And, and my husband was a little, he's, you know, he has his, he has his own issues and concerns with food because he has uh, issues with gluten intolerance and things like that and digestion. Right. Um, and so he was, he was thinking that, well, we would eat earlier and they would do their thing, but the girls wanted to eat when they came home. yeah And so now we're eating dinner at like eight o'clock at night. And I feel good about that because we're still having this family dinner, this moment to decompress, this moment to gather, and that feels really, really good. So what do you think in this idea, like as far as like development, like, you know, what's more important, these extracurricular activities that may be at nighttime or family dinners, or should we, you know, you know, find a way to do both if we can't, what wins? (laughs) I think
1: that's a great question, you know, especially as kids start to get more scheduled and have more activities as they get older. The activities are important. You know, you obviously don't want to overschedule your child and you want to pay attention to what your child wants to do versus, you know, knowing if it's too much for them and seeing how it's impacting, you know, their social life, their their schooling, you know, how they handle everything around them. Um, so that's important to to look at first. Second, um, yeah, you still want to have those family dinners. So I applaud you for still having, you know, you still have them at night. You know, it's 730 30 eight o'clock at night when you sit down. It might be, you know, a little bit faster of a meal. um, Yeah. But at least you're still sitting down and you're having those conversations. The family meal is so important to have those conversations because that's when your kids divulge things to you. They let you into their life because it's the end of the day and they're more willing to let you in. So I Mm -hmm. do think if you can try to squeeze those family meals in, very important. If you're not going to do them on Friday or Saturday because they've got activities, make sure to do it on Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. so trying to at least pick a, at least once, if not more, a week where you're really sitting down and having those nice family meals where you're all getting together. And even if you can't do it at night, a brunch where you're sitting down with your older kids, you know, they might not want to hang out with you <laughs> early in the morning, like <laughs> at 10 o'clock. So, you know, you play around with it. Um, but finding finding those times to sit together as a, as a family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's, it it is that too. Like they are, that is what's happening. You know, so the end of the day, there's that sharing, there's that connection and that, that is what's happening. I think it's, it's so incredibly important. Like there's that nutritional value, but there's that, all that so, so much other, there's so many things I could ask you about, (laughs) Natasha. There's so many things we didn't talk about. I'm sure as far as, um, as far as nutrition for kids goes, what are some things we miss that we should, we should have, we should have been able to, to cover some things you want to mention that I think that are are important for people to be considering when they're, they're, they're thinking about nutrition for themselves and their kids.
1: Uh, Exposing your kids to a wide variety of foods. If you have local farmers markets, taking them to the farmer's market. If you don't take them to the grocery store, let them be excited about picking you know, a fruit or vegetable from the produce section and you can figure out, okay, where does it come from? How does it grow? What are the different ways we can cook it up? How should we try to do it? Let's do it together. Getting them involved in the kitchen, you know, getting them involved in that cooking process. That's really important. You know, if they, kids tend to take more ownership and get more excited and take more pride in their food when they're actually making it. I have my kids in the kitchen starting from the time they're one years old and like, teaching them different knife skills. And I have, I even have a post on it coming up um, about the progression of knives that you actually use for mm. children. So, Did you get the
0: wavy cutter? The one with the, yep. bill you grab with the and hands? Grab.
1: Yep, my my two-year-old uh, was is using that and then she'll progress to the uh, more um, uh, star knife. And then it, it keeps going from there. And my seven-year-old is now using a paring knife. And so mm. you just, you get them involved in the kitchen. It makes it a lot better. Changing your atmosphere where you actually are eating, that can be another way of, you know, handling a child who tends to be more cautious. All right, let's try a picnic today.
0: Let's mm. introduce
1: new foods during lunchtime. So it takes the pressure off of parent and caregiver that, well, I'm feeling like my child's not going to eat. What do I do? Well, don't mind if they don't eat lunch, because at least I know there's afternoon snack and dinner time. you know. Um, having a trunk picnic or even an inside picnic if it's cold outside, you know, making it a little bit more fun and changing it up uh, makes a big difference for kids. And that's really about presentation.
0: We did um, one night we did eat like a pirate night. And <laughs> We put a newspaper out on the table and I think I had like chicken legs. Thank you. <laughs> And it's funny because we reflect on it now and they're like, we didn't like actually, we didn't actually like, we like a pirate night, but it was fun at but the time. But it's something
1: they remember, you know? Yeah, they
0: totally it, remember. They totally
1: remember it. You know? <laughs> and so I think having those moments that's exactly right is so important for your kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So I wish I could remember all the things that I, I, all the questions I wanted to ask when they were like six on this, but I can't, I'm sorry, dear listener, you're going to have to write into me and, and, and say, Hunter, you should have asked Natasha, this, this, and this, or you'll just go to, go to Natasha. He has an amazing Instagram account where she has all kinds of like great ideas and tips and menu ideas and things like that. Uh, Do you want to share your, your handle here and and where people can find you?
1: at sign dr dr abbreviated period organic mommy and as you said i've got like a lunchbox menu that tells you exactly what to put into your lunchbox and gives you all it gives you all the examples I have tons of recipes tons of ideas and ways of handling getting your kids um, to enjoy eating food you know and the language they use as the language is so important and then my website is drorganicmommy.com and i have all my free guides there as well all the proceeds from my page go to charity, um, and I list out all the charities that we um, contribute to.
0: That's so cool. That's such a, a wonderful. It's it's like a, a labor of love for you, then.
1: It very much is. I love what I love what I do, and I'm very fortunate <laughs> to do it.
0: Wonderful. Well, I will let you go. Hopefully, take take your nap. Are you napping? Do you nap I am during your pregnancy? Lots
1: of naps. <laughs> I literally took a cat nap right before this.
0: That's amazing. Cause I know it's morning time <laughs> where you are.
1: You <laughs> gotta get in your naps when you're pregnant.
0: <laughs> yeah. You gotta sleep where you can. <laughs> um, well, good. Um, congratulations. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your approach with us, your inspiration. I know I'll probably go home uh, more inspired to 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 bring more nutrients into my meals and, and things like that. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of like, I oh, gosh, like what's on hand? I should I, now I want to kind of stock up on my like easy things on hand. Get those like oh, green peas. My, it's all, all about back the veggie the loaded oatmeal
1: for the morning. That's what yes. I love doing. You know, yeah, loading yeah. up your oatmeal with like grated zucchini, grated carrots.
0: Oh it's wow. a natural sweetening.
1: It's like I call it like the kids like you know um natural food, natural, you know, colored foods. Uh, and oh. it's like their sprinkles to the kids and it adds a natural sweetness. You don't even taste the zucchini.
0: Oh, I'm gonna try that with the yeah. the carrots for my oldest daughter because she's and still have like a good topping
1: me. bar too, because then they get to actually put in all the fun, you know, cheese. Yeah, yeah, we're really into like berries,
0: the freeze dried strawberries right now.
1: Freeze dried strawberries, those are great. Yeah, and it actually changes the color of the milk. Um, if you put in like wild frozen uh, blueberries, makes it purple milk naturally. Mm-hmm.
0: All these, all funny. these great ideas. With my second daughter, I used to make like green smoothies, and I would take a bottle for the breast milk, and I would like cut the nipple off the top of the bottle so it was thick opening, and she would just be like just drinking down. She would be Love chugging it. this green smoothie. I don't know if it made her. She does does do like green smoothies still, but she she really does like her sweets too. And I'm like, oh, did I like make her make my smoothies too sweet? Is it me? But whatever, there's nothing I can do about it at this point.
1: (laughs) And you can always change, you know. I mean, I used to have a terrible diet as a kid. Um, Oh yeah, honestly, I ate Del Taco. I ate so much candy, and you know, you you have to detox from it. And you can. It's true.
0: I was very candy addicted for a lot of my adult life. Very, very, very sugar addicted, and and I'm not anymore. And I don't even order dessert at restaurants anymore, which would you you be shocking to my younger self.
1: You don't crave it, but you have to yeah. detox yourself from it. And you can do it as a family too, which makes it more of a fun activity to see, you know, make it more of a competition, especially with the older ones.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> my, my angle from the older ones on the detox on the sugar is like, well, sugar is an inflammatory thing and that and inflammation like adds to the pimples.
1: <laughs> so no, the pimples, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that That is one way to get the kids to be a little bit more interested is if it's going to affect the appearance of their face for sure.
0: Yes, yes. That's, that's one aspect to remind them of. <laughs> well, Natasha, it's been so fun to talk to you. Obviously, there's a lot more to say. Go check out what uh, Natasha is doing with Dr. Organic Mommy at the, her site and on Instagram. And, um, it's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on and doing the work you do and, and sharing your insights with everybody. It's, it's so helpful.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast.
0: All right. I'm feeling resolved. I'm feeling more, uh, more excited to, to feed more nutritious meals to my kids and Get those nutrients in. I mean, for us, especially in Delaware in the winter, you know, I feel like there's so little light and sunshine, like it just even becomes more important. So I'm gonna be some nice tips and tricks. So if you are, let me know. Take a screenshot of you listening to this, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at mama mentor. Let me know what you're getting out of this. I hope it's been helpful to hear all this uh, great great resource from dr natasha beck i'm so excited next week we are going to be talking about the final episode in our resolution series resolve to declutter crystal lockwood and we're going to talk all about the nuts and bolts of decluttering so make sure you're subscribed hit that subscribe button and i will see you then hey thank you thank you so much for listening from the bottom of my heart to yours. I'm so glad we get to do this podcast and share it with you and make this connection. I really hope it impacts your life positively. Remember, if it makes an impact for you, go leave that Apple podcast review. It makes such a big difference. And now I'm just wishing you a great week, my friend. I'm wishing you some peace, some ease, some connection and snuggles and all the good things in life. And I'm wishing you the sense of mind to be able to be here for, right? To be here for this wild, precious journey we have that is not guaranteed, right? Let, let's appreciate it today, here and now. Um, so thank you for being here. I can't wait to talk to you again. Namaste. I'd
1: say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your
2: relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better